Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by Doug. And I always forget to ask, how do you pronounce your last name, Doug? It's pronounced Bouchon. Bouchon. That was going to be my guess, too. Dang it. Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News, part of the Rivals Network. He covers Illinois for Rivals. So, Doug... <clears throat> We were just talking about it. Rumors swirling for a good portion of uh, the early part of the day. Cooper DeGene will, well, it sounds like he uh, may be missing the rest of the season. Not just this coming Saturday, but at least at the very least the rest of the regular season. We're hoping to learn more as the day progresses. Of course, stay tuned to iowa.rivals.com for our premium content to learn more about that. But Doug, coming from you know the vantage point of covering the Illini, What's your reaction when when you hear the news of such talented guy? Well, our, our, I mean, Iowa's best player going down. Well, first first thoughts are just with him, and you know, a kid who's really well on his way to a, a lot of postseason accolades. He's going to be a first team All American, probably the best defensive player in the Big Ten, along with uh, Jerzon Newton, the D tackle from Illinois, and, and a, a while back, the, all the rivals publishers got together and we did our preseason. Uh, power uh, power rankings and our pre our midseason rather uh, power rankings and players of the year and he was he was the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten he's the best defensive player on the best defense and uh, it's a really really a shame you never like and you never like to face a team when they're not a hundred percent I think a big difference between Iowa and Illinois though is if Illinois loses Johnny Newton the defense really suffers quite a bit I Iowa's got so many players on defense you know. Two other All Americans on defense. I think they'll they'll be fine defensively, but you just you just got to feel for Cooper and and a, a devastating injury for him. Yeah, I, I mean, you talk about his impact on defense, but you also got to factor in special teams too, right? He's down there on every Tory Taylor punt. Uh, a lot of them that are downed inside the five with Cooper right there, and then you look at his ability to return the the ball on on punts. He's First, in terms of uh, net yards, punt returns in the Big Ten, 241 on 21 punt returns, averaging 11 and a half yards per return, has a 70-yard punt return against Michigan State for a touchdown and what should have been another one against Minnesota just a few weeks ago. Um, and, then, I mean, just look at the defensive stats, zero touchdowns allowed on 400-plus coverage snaps, 45.7% completion percent on uh, – Passes thrown his way, only allowed one catch of 15-plus yards. That was against Wisconsin. Could have arguably been called a, a pass interference, offensive pass interference. Two interceptions, five pass, pass breakups to this point in the season. And when you've got a receiver like Isaiah Williams, who he would have been matching up with, that's advantage Illini. It is like as I said, I think I always got other players. I mean, <laughs> you don't put together that kind of defense without a whole bunch of good players. But he he's just one of those guys that when you watch a game, you're like, whoa, who's who's that? Oh, it's him again. Same guy. You know, it's the same number over and over again. And, and he's done that to Illinois. He's done that to everybody, really. And really, really, when you look at the course of his career, he's one of the best defensive players in the history of the program there at Iowa. I uh, put out a poll earlier this year about Cooper being arguably the best player in the Kirk Ferentz era. And uh, that prompted a ooh from Adam on the hot cast <laughs> a while ago. He was he was a little shook by that. But, I mean, at the very least, the most versatile. Uh, there's a reason he played a snap on on offense a couple weeks ago, and people have been calling for that for so long. But 
Um, that's obviously front of mind right now for the Iowa defense. Doug, I, I know you had said that you're, you're not as familiar with the personnel uh, for Iowa. For those of you who are listening, and you can read more about it on iowa.rivals.com. And if you're a premium subscriber, you can get even more information about Cooper being out, who will replace him, et cetera. But Deshaun Lee is a guy that stepped up big time early on in the season in the absence of Jamari Harris with all of the betting information, the betting stuff that was going on um, in Iowa or, or with the Iowa football program. But Deshaun Lee's a name to know for you, Doug, especially. Um, he, he did some good things in, in limited snaps. I, I think 16 tackles over seven games this season. He was hurt a little while, but he's a guy that that did really well in coverage, in coverage rather, in – and he's a kind of a smaller corner, but he made some really great open field tackles too. So that potentially Deshaun Lee and or Jermari Harris matchup with, with Isaiah Williams is going to be something to watch. What does Isaiah do so well? Well, he makes, he gets yards after the catch. He's such a quick twitch, elusive slot receiver. He's really a classic slot receiver. He's not a real versatile guy. They're not going to line him up wide and then and, and send him on deep routes all that much. Although, you know, it, he had the game winner against Minnesota on a, on a deep route down the middle against the cover two defense, but that was kind of an atypical play for Isaiah. They like to get the ball out to him quick, whether it's quick slants or quick outs or jet sweeps. And sometimes, you know, once or twice a game, they might even hand him the ball uh, out of the backfield or put him at the wildcat or something like that. So they just they might put the ball in his hands in space, let him try to make defenders miss, and he, he gets a lot of yards, at, you know, after the catch. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have track star breakaway speed, but he's so quick. You know, the quick twitch beats, really elusive, and, and makes a lot of tacklers miss. Got it. So that's that's a name to watch for the Illini offense for sure. I know it's a name that's been mentioned and, again, is at the forefront of people's minds right now considering Cooper's injury. But uh, – what I was going to start the pod off with prior to the news that surfaced however long ago this this Wednesday morning was talking about uh, Illinois' quarterback situation. Obviously, Luke Altmeyer started the year, had an injury, correct me if I'm wrong there, and then uh, their backup came in, who I can't even name off the top of my head. Shows you how much prep I've been able to do with with all that's going on. Uh, John Paddock, as or Paddock, as, as I've got it, uh, loaded up here but came in and played really well led them to a victory over indiana but altmeyer is going to be the starter uh at least according to brett bielema in, in an interview that he did today what do you think about that i would take first of all i would take that that with a grain of salt uh, you know i saw the the serious xm radio interview and and uh, he did say that he has a policy of not replacing an, a starter because of injury but uh brett bielema is there's about a 90% chance he's not going to tip off who his starting quarterback is going to be yeah, before Saturday morning. I think it's going to be a game-time decision. I, I think it's really, really difficult to bench a guy who comes in and sets records against Indiana. He threw for 507 yards, the most ever by an Illinois quarterback in Memorial Stadium. You know, he led them to the win. They put up 48 points by far, their most points of the season. I don't know. And previous week he comes in, Luke Allmeyer got hit. You know, on the last drive of, of the game against Minnesota, uh, with Illinois losing, Paddock comes in and drives him right down the field for the game-winning touchdown, uh, you know, and just three completions, but all impactful completions, and then the great game against Indiana last week. I think it's very difficult to put the guy back on the bench, and and uh, I would not be shocked if we learn at kickoff 
on Saturday that John Paddock is going to be the quarterback, regardless of what was reported uh, by the ESPN reporter on on a Sirius XM radio. And, uh, you know, I'd, Altmaier is having a, a good year. You hate to see that happen to a kid that he gets hurt and gets benched, but he also is the starting quarterback for the next two years. Uh, John Paddock, transfer from Ball State, is a fifth-year guy. This is his last season at Illinois. Um, he's not getting. He's not going to be back. John, uh, Altmaier is going to be the starting quarterback for the next two years. Almost, you know, that's almost assured. So it's not like you're worried about egos or sensibilities or or Luke Altmaier hanging it up and hitting going back to the transfer portal. It, it's a it's a decision for this season for the last two games, and, and I think it's going to be very difficult for for Brett Bielma to to send John Paddock back to the bench. Well. When you're when you're speaking of of egos, and obviously there's only a couple of games left, but assuming a, a potential um, a bowl appearance, obviously they're five and five right now. So it went over Iowa or Northwestern, they're bowl eligible. Do you think that? Um, well, probably three games of Paddock could get to Luke Altmaier's ego, is and maybe that's something that that Bielema is concerned about and and he might leave Paddock on the bench because, you know, you don't want to go these last three games with Paddock and then be thinking, Oh shoot. Now we don't have a starter for next season for the next two seasons with Altmaier. Like what, what are your thoughts there? No, Altmaier's not going anywhere. He He's no? already, tra- he already transferred uh, once, he, you know, he's a transfer from, uh, from Ole Miss. He's, he's not going to hit the portal again. He's not really that kind of kid. Very level-headed kid. The the thing you might worry about a little bit is is, is his confidence, because he, he's he's a kid who who coaches have to really have to pump up, build up his confidence. He's kind of a mild-mannered, soft-spoken type type of player. Um, so you might worry a little bit about his, you know his his confidence, and that might that might go into the decision on Saturday. But the the good thing about it, I think, is is, is the decision that they do make. Doesn't have to be the final decision. If the guy comes in and he stinks it up and has a really bad first quarter or whatever, you you got another guy waiting in the wings that you can go to. So regardless of who gets the start, they, they may not be the one who finishes the game. You just kind of compare contrast what these two guys do well versus don't do well. And like do you see preparation for Iowa being a difficult thing based on what these two different guy quarterbacks bring to the table and what they do well versus don't do well? Well, the first thing I would say to that is that offense is prepared for Iowa, for the Iowa defense. The the Iowa defense, they are what they are. They dictate the you know the pace of the game. They and they impose their will. Uh, and the statistics show that they're they're excellent defense, the best defense Illinois has faced this year. Um, arguably, Penn State's defense is really good too. But but um, they do have to prepare a little bit differently. John Paddock. Is gonna he's gonna move around the pocket and make make plays, uh, you know, and and improvise, but he doesn't have the he doesn't have the running ability of Luke Altmaier. Altmaier can make can make impactful plays with his feet. If you flush him, he's gonna take off. He's got speed, you know. Um, he'll slide and run out of bounds. He's not gonna take a lot of hits. He's a he's not a very uh, uh, big guy, but uh, he he's a really good runner. And some of the most impactful plays of the season have been. Altmaier scrambles. So that's something that you have to prepare for if you're right. If, if, if you're preparing for John Paddock, you have to cover longer. Uh, he's 
he uh, will improvise the the last play of the game in overtime the throw to Isaiah Williams in the end zone in overtime Isaiah Williams was the last read of that play and Paddock got flushed out to his right he rolled out to the right and Isaiah adjusted his route and and he found him in the end zone so so uh, you you got to cover longer you know he, um he, Oldmeyer gets the ball out more quickly I think he's a better or rather Paddock has a little bit better downfield vision Gets the ball out a little bit quicker than Allmeyer, but Allmeyer can also stretch the field probably a little bit better. He's got got a better arm. He throws the deep ball a little bit better. Okay. Now you mentioned the mobility, the difference in going through reads and and downfield vision and stuff for Paddock. How's the offensive line been for for the uh, Fighting Illini this this season? And in, in regards to you know keeping him upright when when he does look downfield and try to make a play. It was an evolution. They started out the season rough. They gave up six sacks to Kansas. They went on the road to Kansas and lost to a pretty good Kansas team. Gave up six sacks. They made some changes up front. They moved Isaiah Adams from left guard to right tackle. Moved Oshkieski from right from a right guard to left guard. And then they got healthy. They had some guys like Zy Chrysler, the right guard, who's who was not very healthy up, all the way up until just a couple of weeks ago. But now I think the last four weeks they've had their playing their best football. That they kept uh, John Paddock on his feet, had a clean pocket. I think for all but seven or eight plays. Uh, if you look at BFF and that. You know, if on 38 dropbacks or whatever it was, eight pressures is not very many. And they only put him on the ground once, and that was on the last play of regulation when it was, you know, he was dropping back for a desperation heave-ho at the, at the end of regulation. So so uh, the O-line's really playing their best football right now, I think. And, uh, you know, in their pass pro particularly – uh, is really coming around. They've gotten the running game going since the freshman Caden Fagan has gotten um, some carries in the backfield, so they feel good about the running game now. Um, but again, it's Iowa. It's the Iowa defense. Uh, it's going to be a test. It's going to be a test for Illinois, a test for anybody against a very physical Iowa defense. You say that Paddock being out there makes the run game, and, and you know, obviously it's a small sample size compared to Altmeyer, but but would you say that Paddock being out there makes the run game better because of what he is able to do through the air? No, there's no doubt. The, the offensive philosophy changed, you know, in that game um, from setting up uh, the pass with the run to going to a more uh, West Coast mentality where you're sitting up the run with the pass. You know, Paddock gets the ball out quick. They're throwing some quick hitters. They're throwing the the quick, the quick slants and and uh, loosened up the Indiana defense. Now, I don't think Indiana defense is very good, that, you know, uh, but um, it loosened them up. And uh, later in the game, especially in the second half, uh, those outside zone plays had a lot more space for the Illinois running backs and start chewing up some yards, some yards on the ground. So, uh, uh, you know, the one thing about offensive coordinator uh, Barry Lenny Jr. is uh, he's 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 not a guy who's going to stick to his guns on things. If something's not working, he's going to try something else. And they really started setting up the run with the pass when when uh, it was obvious that that John Paddock, uh, you know, had some opportunities in the passing game. An offensive coordinator changing things when they don't work. That's a foreign concept, Iowa fans. Uh, <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> in regards to that running game, uh, Hidden Fagan coming in, like you mentioned, 95 rushing attempts. Then I looked down the stat sheet at a guy like Reggie Love the third. six games, only six games played. Is he hurt right now? Come back, previous injury, What? Where? what's going on there? 
he had an ankle like and he missed two or three games with an ankle. He he wasn't hundred percent last week, but he looked he looked pretty sprite to me. He looked okay. And I think he's gonna he's okay again this week. And they, they like they like it when they have both of those two guys healthy. It hasn't happened very often. But when they do, they have kind of a Mr. Inside with Caden Fagan, who's a you know a power runner, a guy who's gonna fall forward and get extra yards after contact. And then a little bit quicker guy with uh, Reggie Love, who they like on the outside zone plays a little bit more quick twitch and hits the hole a little quicker. So, uh, you know, either one of those guys could get, you know, 20 carries on Saturday, depending on who's uh, what's jealous and which one uh, feels the, the best uh, from a health standpoint. You mentioned you, you've referenced the Iowa defense a couple of times and how they dictate things between these two guys. Who's the better option? You know, who, who do you expect? You said either one of them could get 20 carries. Do you see one of them being more likely than the other? considering the matchup? No, each one brings something different. You know, uh, you, you like the idea of grinding it out against Iowa. You like the idea of converting third and short situations with Caden Fagan. You like the you like that he falls forward and doesn't get too many negative plays. But then again, to beat Iowa, you have to score you have to score two touchdowns, right? So if you score two touchdowns, you got a chance. That's not very likely. They're only giving up 12 points a game or 12.5. Hardly anybody's scoring touchdowns on them, especially rushing touchdowns with what won the whole season or something like something absolutely crazy like that. But uh, with Reggie, with Reggie Love, you have more of a chance, I think, for an explosive play. So maybe you get a fluke play where you know where you take it to the house and he's got a little bit a little bit quicker than Fagan, although. Caden Fagan does have some open field spe- speed. He's a long strider. Once he gets going, he can run. But I think Reggie's got a little bit better chance to break a long one. So I don't think one's better than the other. Iowa just uh, just just depends on who gets rolling. Just one rushing touchdown this season. I can confirm that. That was against Purdue. And and speaking of Purdue, I believe it was. Deacon, who said this yesterday, but he said that the Illinois defense does a lot of things similarly to the way Purdue does things. Can't say I'm surprised by way of Ryan Walters moving on to Purdue. I know a lot of conversation was around that five man front, and this is clearly my first year on the beat. And uh, as well as having the limited research going into this pod, is that something that Illinois does that they mix in? What what kind of defense are are they they running in, in Champaign? They play classic 3-4 defense, you know, the nose tackle, two five techniques, defensive tackles, Johnny Newton and uh, Keith Randolph, a couple of standouts, and and then uh, two out two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers. And the outside linebackers are rush linebackers. You're not going to see them drop into coverage all that much. They do sometimes, but uh, for the most part, they're going to rush the passer. Uh, occasionally, you know, they'll mix up the front to cause some confusion. It depends on the opponent. Maybe put a, a fourth guy with his hand on the ground, but uh, more often than not, in fact, probably you know ninety percent of the time, they're they're classic three four defense. Got it. And, and Johnny Newton's uh, a name that you throw in, and and that everybody throws in with being one of the best defenders in the Big Ten. You mentioned him along with Cooper DeGene earlier. Um, he was a name that was brought up yesterday in our media availability. Might be a first round pick coming up here soon. What's he doing well? How is he ending up in in backfields all across the Big Ten? Well, he's just so quick that he's almost impossible to block one-on-one. And everybody's doubling him. In fact, Indiana doubled and tripled him every snap 
on Saturday and it worked for him. I mean, their quarterback threw for a bunch of yards. Uh, if and they knew they if you neutralize him, you got a much better chance. But this guy spends more time in the offensive backfield than any Illinois defensive lineman I've covered in 13 seasons. He's he's just so quick off the ball. He splits double teams. Once he gets his hips through it, he runs like a he runs like a running back, chasing the ball from the backside and chasing down quarterbacks. He's faster than every quarterback he's faced this year, and that includes the dual threat quarterbacks that they've played. And that's not an exaggeration. The guy is just un- uncanny when it comes to speed and quickness, and just so hard to deal with. And uh, and uh, you know, tenacious. You know, he's just got a killer instinct about him. He wants to make plays. Once he gets a beat on the quarterback, he's going to he's gonna make a beeline and, and chase him down. And you get you got to account for him. He can wreck an offense by himself. And, and that's why he's one of the you know, one of the top defensive linemen in the country. He's going to be an All-American and he's going to he's going to be a first round draft pick. With. That all of that said, did, did you cover Corey Legit at all when you were? First starting on the beat, you know, I I I think that was the beginning. I think it might have been my my first year. Uh, good, excellent player, obviously good and good player in the NFL, a really good player in the NFL, but the, not as disruptive as John, as Johnny Newton. He, you know, he might the with Newton. If you look at the numbers, the tackles for loss, the sacks, they don't really begin to describe what it's like to watch a guy play D line because he. No, he wears number four, and literally every play, um, you, you when the pile unfolds, you see number four get off the pile, and that's even on the on the outside runs, the plays to the edge. Just he runs sideline to sideline as a deep, as an interior defensive lineman. That's very rare quality for a guy to have. As a recovering Chargers fan, Corey Legit was the first one, first first guy that came to mind when talking about the Illinois defense. Um, had some good years in in San Diego, but it sounds like Johnny Newton is is poised to really explode onto uh, the scene and and have a a good uh, NFL career out of Illinois. And uh, now, while we're talking about the defense, Johnny Newton is the name that that comes to mind right away. Uh, I, I believe they had a, quite a crew of defensive backs last season. Those guys have moved on. Uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong there. But uh, where are the other strengths? For the Illinois defense. I mean, you got Brett Bielema uh, as your head coach, so there, there's got to be some some other good things going on for for the fight in the line. I right. Yeah, but you, I mean, you didn't see him on uh, on Saturday against Indiana when they gave up 45 points. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> you know, before before that, you kind of liked where they were trending when it comes to, to stopping the run. They were getting better. They, you know, had some major hiccups early in early in the season, especially against dual threat quarterbacks from from Toledo and Kansas. They had a lot of problems with those guys. Pocket passers they deal with a little bit better, but uh, the dual threat guys really, uh, really uh, got under their skin. But uh, you know, it, it starts up front with Newton and then Keith Randolph, another NFL prospect, a, a defensive uh, tackle. You know, they're, they're getting a little better at rushing the passer, but but like you said. You know, one of the major storylines coming into the season was all of those losses in the secondary. You know, all we lost four starters. Devin Weatherspoon was the number five pick overall to Seattle and is having a great rookie year. And you, you knew they were going to not be as good, but the drop-off has been pretty dramatic in the back end of the defense. You saw that last week against Indiana. I think they, they think 
that they get a little bit of a reprieve against an Iowa offense that grinds it out and they beat you with defense. But uh, uh, the defense has had some major hiccups last week, be, being one of the biggest ones. And, uh, you know, the spotlight is on Aaron Henry, the defensive coordinator who replaced Ryan Walters after that great season that they had last year. And I tell you what, Doug, when thinking about the Iowa offense, I mean, like, fair enough. The last two and a half years, it has been brutal for the Hawkeyes. Have you seen, like, any film from, from last week at all or heard anything about how they, they took that 22-0 to zero, uh, victory over Rutgers? I watched a little bit of it. I, You know, I, the score jumped out at me because you expect to you expect Iowa to to beat Rutgers maybe 14 to nothing or 17 to nothing. And 22 points is a lot of, a lot of points for that team. Uh, and especially the way they run clock, you know, um, it's not that they're, that's not like they're a terrible offense. It's just, they're a lot, they're so much different than everybody else. You know, they grind it out, they run clock, they win with defense. And I think they're perfectly happy to win 13 to nothing and or 13 to six or whatever. And uh, so I was a little surprised to see Rutgers give up 22 points, but it, it, sound, it does sound like that the offense is starting to find their stride a little bit. I will say for you, Doug, the first nine weeks of the season, they were terrible. <laughs> All the weeks with Deacon Hill at, at quarterback, they were terrible. Um, this last week, not so much. I We had a conversation uh, on Sunday after the game, Adam Ross and I did here on Hotcast, about Deacon. And Adam and I were in the postgame presser following the game. And obviously, postgame, following the game, synonymous. We saw and heard from a different Deacon Hill after that game than we've heard from all season. That transitioned into Tuesday as well. He's reached a level of confidence that we haven't seen before. I think he was completing like 31% or 37% of his passes somewhere in there. Finished 20 of 31 this last week, threw a touchdown pass and an interception. And by way of that interception, left a touchdown off the board. Um, Very well could have been closer to 30 to zero against this Rutgers football team. that obviously does some good for for the running game. All three running backs are healthy right now. Um, you also look at other ways they score points. Defensively, they get stops. The opposing team's territory, they turn the ball. Turnovers haven't come quite as easily or, or appeared to have come as easily this season as they have previously. And obviously, you take Cooper off the field, and there's another threat of scoring the, uh, the football in, uh, in special teams. So we'll see who takes over there. I I presume it's going to be Caleb Brown. Maybe they throw Caden Weijin in there, who who holds uh, kick return duties as well. But when we're talking about the Iowa offense, one week is a small sample size. Two weeks is pretty good against two Big Ten West defenses, and having Illinois coming off that victory, that three point victory where they did allow forty five points. Maybe Iowa's offense gets the ball rolling a little bit here. Coming into uh, the second game in a row at home against a big win, a big 10 West opponent, Deacon Hill really rolling right now compared to what we've seen before. Um, and and knowing that, what is what does that do in your mind when thinking about this game? Because it's not, assuming that that trend continues over, is this a is this a victory in your mind for Iowa? And we'll talk about a little bit more about like final score and stuff like that here momentarily. But is this a victory in your mind, assuming that offense translates into this game on Saturday? 
I, I think it was a, I think it was going to be an, an Iowa win regardless whether I'm looking at the Rutgers game or the, or the rest of the season. I think they're the better football team. They're playing at home. They're a very good team at home. Uh, they have a really, really good crowd there at, at the stadium at Iowa games. And they're a much more physical team than Illinois. And so, you know, it's a, it, how about if it turns out to be a shootout? Wouldn't that be cool? If, you know, you're, <laughs> 14 to three or something. And it turns into a shootout like Illinois and Indiana last week where two struggling offenses got together and just lit it, lit it up. And that probably nobody, but Indian Indiana and Illinois fans were paying attention, but, it, but I hope they were because it was a really fun game. And, um, but you don't expect that at Iowa. You expect a grinded out game. I, I think Iowa is is, is going to win game. I think they're going to keep Illinois out of the end zone for the most part, like they do everybody else. And and as you said, I think their offense is starting to find it a little bit. Twenty two points last week, and could have been more, like you said. You know, going before that game, you're thinking, well, if you score two touchdowns against Iowa, you got a chance. Uh, you know, I th- and like I said before, but it, I think. A big thing for Illinois is not going is going to be red zone touchdown percentage. That's a stat to watch because against Iowa, you're playing Iowa. You're thinking, okay, I can settle for points and kick the field goal, and, and that gives me a chance to win a football game. I don't think that's necessarily the case. The case now with Iowa scoring a few more points, and when Illinois gets in the red zone, they're going to have to punch it in one way or another. probably throw it in because you can't run it in. And again, the stats show you can't run it in against against Iowa, but uh, they're going to have to try to score touchdowns, take a few chances, not settle for three, and, and that's probably going to be one of the, the the key stats for them, along with maybe a third third down conversion because if, if you're getting third and long against Iowa, that's a really bad situation for whether it's whether it's Luke Allmeyer or John Paddock at quarterback. Fred is three going into this one over under of 30 and a half, which is just comical every single time Iowa plays. They got that over under of, of well, being super low. So looking at this game, going into this weekend, do you have expectations? Do you have a, a final score prediction? Where are you at with it right now, Doug? Well, I, I think it, it, that it's not going to be a baseball score like ordinarily you might pick because of what both teams did offensively last week, Iowa against Rutgers, Illinois against Indiana. So I think I think it's going to be Iowa by a touchdown or more. Uh, so to, uh, 21-ish to 10, something like okay. that, 21 to 10. I think I'm going to roll with 21 to 10. Iowa, I think they are the better football team. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten West, and they're going to lock it up and and go to the Big Ten championship game with for the right to play Ohio State or Michigan. And um, but you never know. It's the Big Ten. It's Big Ten West. Anything can happen. But uh, I definitely like Iowa heading into this game. Margin of error is typically very thin. Now this time around, uh, Doug doesn't think so, and he says, "Hammer the over." I'm right there with you. I'm thinking around 23 to 10, 23 to 7. Um, Hawkeyes going into this one. Uh, if it's 23 to 7, that's the under. So we'll we'll see how things shake out. It'll definitely be uh definitely be a uh, a fun one in Kinnick Stadium this weekend. A couple guys potentially playing their last games as Hawkeyes. And so for now, we will wrap it up there. Doug, appreciate you hopping on. Anytime. Thanks for having me. 
All right. We appreciate you tuning into this episode of Hawkcast brought to you by Iowa.Rivals.com. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that today at Iowa.Rivals.com backslash subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave that rate and review wherever you are listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, especially on YouTube as well. Drop a like, drop a comment. What's your final score prediction for this game this weekend? And how do the Hawkeyes fare without Cooper DeGene? Girl, let us know in those comments on YouTube. So once again, my name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. For now, we'll see you next time.